Do you find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today. People are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 440. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. How's everybody doing today? Pretty damn good, Andrew. How about you? That was so confident. Why are you so confident? I'm very happy because early voting started today here in Georgia, and I went out and got my vote on for Stacey Abrams. Nice. So I'm very happy. And my polling place was bananas. Uh, I've never seen it like this for early voting. In fact, last time I voted there early, I was the only person in it. (laughs) Today, there was no parking. You were having to circle the parking lot multiple times, and they had dudes out with flags waving you in like it was Disney World. Um, (laughs) The lines were coming out the doors. It was just, it was incredible. Every single voting booth was occupied at any given point in time. That would have wow. brought a tear to my eye. I know. And when I was speaking to the poll workers, they were like, yeah, it's been like this since 7 a.m. I love that you spoke to the poll workers. Of course I did. What were you, what did you say? Like, hey, great turnout, huh? Well, no, because you have to walk up to them so that they can like verify your registration and give you your little voting card. And when I did that, I walked up and I handed them the paper and they looked at it and they were like, oh, we didn't have to correct anything because I guess they're used to having issues on the forms. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, oh, no, I've, I'm, I'm not a novice. <laughs> Laura Granger over here. She knows her shit. <laughs> and then uh, she was like, yeah, just getting out to get it done early. And I was like, heck, yeah, with everything that's going on right now, I'm not going to put this off. And I was just asking what turnout had been like. And she was like, you should have seen it when we opened at seven o'clock this morning. Like there was already a line of people waiting to get in before 7am. Dare I say a good sign for the Dems? Definitely a good sign. I mean, progressive voters tend to be the ones who turn out early to vote. So having a really high voter turnout this early on is a very good sign. Why did you early vote? You're not going to be in town or... Uh, I don't want to leave things to the last minute. I know that Michelle Obama had that great video a couple weeks ago where she talked about how the average amount of time that people spent in line on Election Day in 2016 was 11 minutes. I still just don't like leaving things up to chance. It's a weekday. We all have to work that day. Who knows what might come up? And I would hate to find myself in a situation where I was waiting until election day only to have something happen to prevent me from getting to the polls. Yeah. yeah. Also, I'm excited. <laughs> I was at my grandparents' house this weekend, and we, we all do mail-in ballots, basically, in my family. But uh, we spent like two hours sitting there so that I could help them vote. And that's what Aww. we did. Aww. Yeah, we that's went so through... Cute like the whole ballot because they didn't send them usually they send voter pamphlets too so you can read up on 
all of the propositions or the proposed measures or the candidates. And they didn't have any of that. So I sat there with them and we went through all of it. And let me tell you guys, you haven't lived until you've tried to uh, decipher political jargon, both in English and in Spanish. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like a chore. (laughs) It was intense, but I feel good. I feel like I've done my civic duty. (laughs) Yeah, you have. Because seriously, the way that some of these referendums and constitutional amendments are worded on the ballot are very confusing. It sounds like, you know, my grandparents are actually pretty well informed. They watch the news and they still read the paper and stuff like that. But you're right. Uh, Some of the stuff that's on there, sometimes you think you're voting a specific way, but you're actually voting the opposite way that you would want because of the way it's phrased. So it's a lot of cross-referencing for sure. Yeah, I definitely had to go and look up every single... A bill or proposal that was referenced in order to read what it actually said as opposed to what the measure on the ballot said. And that takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So kudos to you for doing that in two languages. Yeah. <laughs> my very broken Spanish. <laughs> I need to do my research. I haven't looked at the measures at all yet. I don't know what's happening here in Chicago. Yeah. Hopefully some good stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's always good to be looking at things like governor and your representatives and things, but there are always going to be other measures. Like in Georgia, we have five different constitutional amendments being proposed right now, and nobody's really talking about them. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely a good time to take 10, 15 minutes, sit down and Google those things and find out exactly what they mean and find out what a yes or no vote on those things means. Mm Mm-hmm. Starting in 2019, you will not be able to make right turns on reds <laughs> during odd hours of weekdays. I just love random shit like that. Oh, oh so my in God. my county, uh, specifically in my county, there is a Sunday alcohol sales uh, amendment they're proposing. Because right now, you're not allowed to buy like drinks out at restaurants before, I think, 1230 on Sundays. <laughs> so they have an amendment on there like... To legalize the sale of single drinks in restaurants between starting at 11 a.m. So, <laughs> yeah, it's actually your brunch on. Yeah, it's actually known unofficially as the brunch bill. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I voted yes on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that shouldn't surprise anyone. <laughs> <laughs> we all saw a couple of movies this weekend. Pam and I saw A Star is Born. So, of course, this stars Lady Gaga and Bradley <laughs> Cooper. And I was excited about this. All the gays are just have been on fire about this movie. We we were just expecting uh, Gaga to do a great job. And she really did. The, the, she is a phenomenal actress. It's, it's just show, so shocking that not only is she such a talented singer and songwriter, which is rare in itself, but she's also evidently a fantastic actress. Like, this is incredible how talented she is. So I thought she did a really great job. However, <laughs> when I went to A Star is Born on a Sunday afternoon, I was expecting a pleasant, inspiring, feel-good movie. <laughs> this movie, and I'm not going to spoil it, but my God, you walk out of it pretty depressed. Did you feel the same, Pam? Oh, yeah. It's rough. Yeah. I'm but, uh, but you're right. Gaga is phenomenal. I was uh, 
in a mood after the movie. It took me a while to snap out of it because I was not expecting it at all. Yeah. Purely based on just the way that it was shot and the dialogue and also that kind of depressed feeling that you described, it honestly has all the makings for an awards show, darling, because, you know, the Academy likes movies that make you feel some type of way. Mm hmm. Oscar winner Lady Gaga. I can see it now. Best good. actress. Yeah. I think, you know, she's always been really theatrical in her musical performances, and nobody has ever doubted that she is a very, very immense talent. Uh, and, you know, later on in her life, she will undoubtedly be known as one of the most iconic pop stars of our generation. But I think it really struck a lot of people to see how well she could emote on the big screen not yeah. while singing and i just love that for her and i love that people see it now because it's really easy just to say oh yeah lady gaga she's a great performer she's a great dancer she's a great singer but just for the world to kind of fall in love with what her diehard fans have seen for years mm-hmm. and years and years is really truly remarkable and um, i'm really happy for her yeah me too and then laura what did you see this weekend um Speaking of award show darlings, I saw the movie that I think will be up for most bizarre movie of 2018, Venom. Uh-huh. I saw this too. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> I don't know. I almost feel like I should have been a little high or a little drunk while watching yeah. this yeah, it was so bizarre. I mean, clearly, apart from the fact that Sony just doesn't give a fuck and they just want to retain their rights to Venom. Um mm-hmm. It was so weird because, like, the first third of the movie felt like a really conscientious effort to establish some kind of psychological thriller. And then the rest of it was like Eddie Brock Venom buddy cop movie. And it was so silly. (laughs) And there were parts of it that I don't know if they were supposed to be funny, but they were hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. As soon as he starts talking back. Yeah, it's just great. (laughs) Yeah, they have this internal dialogue going back and forth of like Eddie and then Venom being like, Eddie. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, we love her. (laughs) Oh, man. It's really stupid. (laughs) He's like, we are both losers or something. (laughs) He's like, on my planet, I was a loser, much like you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminds me of a really cheesy. Well, like I think a lot of animes that are for kids are really cheesy, but it really reminded me of a, you know, a cheesy anime like Death Note. You know, yeah. Have you, have you seen Death Note? Yes, no. I love okay. That. Like, well, the, like the guy is like, he's kind of like that. Yeah, definitely. He's a big troll. Hmm. Yeah, except I don't know. I think, I think Ryuk was better written. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but this this movie just couldn't decide what it wanted to be. I think that was its biggest issue. It was like, are we going to be dark or are we going to be a comedy? It endlessly cracks me up how Sony can't get their shit together with the Spider-Man world. Like, you know, they had the, the Spider-Man trilogy and the first one was good. The following two weren't. And then there was the amazing Spider-Man not too long after that original trilogy. And then they hand over Spider-Man to Marvel and instantly they make a huge hit with Spider-Man. It's like so easy mm-hmm. for Disney's Marvel 
to adapt these characters. And then for other studios, it's such a damn challenge. Yeah, I know. It just seems like this is a great opportunity for Sony to just hand everything over to Marvel and say, give us our 20%. Mm -hmm. Like, just give us a cut of whatever it is you do. Yeah, It'll be so much better. Yeah. Anyway, I had a big moment over the weekend. I've been dating boys for a decade now. I've I've had three major relationships, one being ex-host Matt. And uh, I'd never met any of my boyfriend's parents until this past weekend when I met Pat's parents up in Wisconsin. Oh, yay. My, yeah, it was nice. It was nerve-wracking, though, because you want to make a good impression for these people. Obviously, if we're together for a while, they want you want them to like you. So it was very nerve-wracking going into it, but it went well, and we w- went to Pat's farm, and I can confirm um, his family does produce milk. I watched cows get milked by his brother. <laughs> it was very uh, interesting and smelly. Did you and milk a cow? N- hell no. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I kept my distance. Like, it's all, it's all, like, done with machines. It's... It wasn't like Pat's brother down on his knees actually yanking on the udders. They hook him up to these machines, and then these machines actually do the milking. It's pretty impressive. So this is like a big production. Yeah. Ain't no family farm, but it is a family farm, but it's a big thing. Yeah, they have like 80 cows, and all these cows get milked twice a day, and they're milking like 20 at a time, close to 20 at a time, it looked like. We had we brought Brooklyn with us, and he came in too <laughs> to watch the milking. <laughs> it was a very serious process because you have to be quiet because you don't want to like disturb the cows. You don't want to put them in a bad mood during the milking, so you like got to be quiet. And there's no music playing, and nobody's talking. You're just observing. It's very interesting. I also drank some of that raw milk, that illegal milk that hasn't been processed yet. They had a picture of it in their fridge. <laughs> How was it? You know what? Honestly, it tastes just like regular milk. There's no fucking difference. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, bet... I was hospitalized, but other than that, there's no difference. <laughs> I was going to say, I bet you didn't say that in front of Pat's parents, though. I said there was no difference. No, I told him that. Oh, okay. And, and his dad was like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, you know, he, he was happy to, to hear that. Well, why do you think? Well, I was just thinking you're trying to impress the parents, you know, and... You know, they're dairy farmers. You don't want to insult their product. Yeah. His dad kept staring at me when he first met me. Sizing you up? Yeah, I think a little bit. Like trying to, I told Pat, I think he was trying to figure out who was the top and who was the bottom. Oh my God. Was this their first time meeting a boyfriend of Pat's? No. Okay. No, but from what Pat tells me, I'm a lot better and more likable than this other guy. So. Ah, okay. Yeah, so anyway, it was a good time. I'm glad it's over. (laughs) Pat said to me last week, do you want to go visit this weekend? I was like, well, I can't keep putting it off. I just got to do it. And I just put it off just because it's nerve-wracking, you know? I got to be kind for several hours, which is very (laughs) difficult for me. (laughs) Just to make a constant good impression instead of being an asshole. (laughs) Yeah, for me, the issue with meeting parents is turning off my true pirate-like nature in terms of swearing. Um, 
I, I curse a lot, which if you listen to this show, you know. And so it's really difficult for me to go a few hours without saying a curse word. Mm-hmm. It's like when I met Mark's parents, who are deeply religious, by the way. Oh. <laughs> I was like, don't fuck up, don't fuck up, don't fuck up. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Yet. I like how you're telling yourself to not fuck up <laughs> by using the word fuck. Right. That doesn't seem helpful to me, but you you pulled it off. You know, it, it worked. Um I only fucked up one time when I forgot that his family prays before they eat. And we got our food and I just I've I didn't grow up in a household where you prayed before eating. And so the plate gets in front of me and I pick up my knife and fork and I just start <laughs> going to town on it. And later he was like, Yeah, my mom was totally like getting ready to put her hands out to do the prayer thing and you just started eating. So she was like, uh, okay. <laughs> I think <laughs> people I are like, more forgiving Oops. of that though. <laughs> when we were kids, we would always pray before dinner and it was the same prayer all the time. I'm trying to remember what it was because like the kids took turns leading the prayer. I think it started off with like, God is good. God is great. Yeah. Something, something, something plate. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly oh, like my uh, stepmom and her side of the family are very religious and they pray before they eat. And I honestly like tune it out and I'm there pretty regularly. So it's kind of sad that I don't even know how the family prayer goes. <laughs> and they're still praying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we have a lot to get to today. We have some confessionals. We've got some news and we have one news story we're just going to talk about right now because it's going to be one of the bigger stories of the week even though it shouldn't be elizabeth warren has released dna test results confirming that she is of native american ancestry um she had came out with this information without a test years ago and ever since then trump has been calling her pocahontas making fun of her alleged native american ancestry uh, the implication being that Trump doesn't buy it. So she releases this test on the test results Monday, and it came with like this professionally made video of Elizabeth like learning the results and talking to these experts about uh, DNA. And a lot of people are taking this as Elizabeth confirming that she is going to run in 2020. This is just one of many steps that she is taking. Now, <laughs> Trump has previously said that he would donate $1 million if she could prove it, if, if she could prove she was Native American. Well, she proved it today. And now Trump says that he'll only donate the money if, quote, he can test her personally, <laughs> which is a very disturbing visual to me. Like, I don't <laughs> want Trump prodding Elizabeth Warren with anything. So also, like, I how does that he think that works? Yeah, and by the way, Trump said this. I saw the video with Melania standing behind him, and Melania's just stone-faced, eye-rolling in her head. But um, anyway, what did you two make of this? You know, I'm really tired of people touting their trace regions in their DNA tests. Like, this, this is not what DNA testing was intended for. Like, 
your main takeaway when you have a DNA test done should not be, oh my God, I'm X percent whatever. The point of DNA testing is to either help connect you with other people who have, uh, who share similar DNA with you, aka family members, um, or to help uh, learn about certain genetic predispositions for things. This whole map that you get, like from Ancestry or 23andMe, that shows you the regions that your DNA is from, it's kind of for fun. <laughs> <laughs> and not really intended to be taken super seriously because DNA testing uh, in terms of just like ethnicity and and regions of, of where it originates, that's a fairly new science. And because it's a fairly new science, it's not an exact science. And they're still refining it all the time. Case in point, my mom has been the family genealogist as for as long as I can remember, um, mainly because... My dad's side of the family is kind of weird, and they're from Kentucky, and Kentucky had a lot of its census records burned, so a lot of the shit's not available. Um, and so she's been doing that to try and track down a lot of missing family members in our tree. And she had, you know, me and my brother also go ahead and do our DNA just for fun. And when the initial results came back, it told me that I was like 1% African. But it makes a point of telling you, like, hey, when the result is this small, it's a trace region, meaning that, like, we think we found something, but this isn't a super reliable result. Now, if it comes back, like, 50% something, like, for instance, in my case, I came back very heavily Irish. It's like, yes, clearly you have some roots there. But then as they refine uh, the science over time, they'll retest your sample and they'll refine your results. Well, as a result of them doing that, that 1% African that they were showing me when I initially tested is no longer there. Because as the science gets better and more accurate, they're able to pinpoint stuff um, more exactly and get better results for you. Which is why I find this whole like, oh my God, I'm 164th. Cherokee Nation. I'm like, shut up. It's even more, um, I guess, like disturbing is not the right word, but it it just feels so wrong to me when this happens with uh, cultures and ethnicities that inherently have uh, had a lot of oppression thrust upon them. Mm -hmm. And it's such a slap in the face for you to claim say that you're Native American because you have a small percentage and that that means that you're automatically compelled to, you know, feel the burden of that particular culture also on your shoulders because so much of what that means comes with a context of struggle and strife over the course of, you know, decades. And it's just really hard to own that for like any kind of good intention does that make sense yeah yeah it's it's just like you can't just i don't know it doesn't really matter at the end of the day yeah because she hasn't spent time there yeah the other thing is just in terms of like where we are right now it's only three weeks until the midterm elections it's such a weird time to be bringing this up um, this is clearly for her presidential campaign. And by the way, 
I don't think she should be running for president. This is going to piss some people off, but I think a lot of people do not like Elizabeth Warren, the same people who did not like Hillary Clinton. I do actually find Elizabeth Warren kind of annoying. And Why? <laughs> Hillary Because just the way she talks, it is so whiny and complainy all the time. And I don't think, after what we saw in the 2016 election, uh, that America is ready for an Elizabeth Warren type. I just think it's, you know, and, and this isn't to bad math you or anything, but the tendency to criticize a woman's voice. Oh, I know. Is, I mean, that's one of the things that people use against Hillary. They didn't like her voice. They didn't like the way she laughed. They didn't like the way she dressed. And these are just not things that we say about men, or if they are, they aren't contributing factors to them losing elections. Case in point, Donald Trump is the biggest, whiniest bitch of them all. (laughs) And he's president right now. Yeah. I mean, in terms of policy, I really like Elizabeth Warren. I think this whole charade is very silly. I mean, this is just her getting down in the mud with Trump. And what's that whole that whole adage about like, don't fight with a pig, you'll just get dirty and the pig will enjoy it. Mm. That's what's happening here. Um, so this, I, I agree with you that this feels like a very silly publicity stunt. And one last thing on this before we get a lot of feedback about it. What I'm saying <laughs> is that Americans on a whole are, she, Elizabeth Warren cannot win an election right now. That's what Hillary Clinton showed. Uh, give me like a Kamala Harris. I like her. I think she could win over this country. But Elizabeth Warren? Mm. I don't know. The way this country swung across the pendulum because it couldn't handle two terms of Barack Obama. I'm worried that it can't handle anyone who's not a white man. Right. And that's my point. I'm sitting here thinking, who has the best shot at beating Trump? And I don't think Elizabeth Warren is that person. It's unfortunate, but I think it's true. We need somebody who is absolutely going to win. And this DNA thing was bizarre and Trump is already seizing on it. And it's already backfiring. So she's kind of off to a bad start. All right. Well, we have some confessionals to get to. But before we move any further, it's time to tell you about our first sponsor this week, TiVo. They have a new product that they're really excited about called the TiVo Bolt. And after trying it myself, I can understand why they want everyone to know about it. Whether you're a cable or antenna user, you need to check out this amazing device. This is an all-in-one smart TV box that gives you access to live TV, a DVR, and all your favorite apps. The brilliance of it is that there's nothing else like it. Thanks to TiVo's experience in the game, it brings everything together into one place. In this world of having a crowded entertainment center, the fact that I can just have one device to take care of everything is so refreshing. That's right, one single remote for Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, all your favorite cable or antenna TV channels, your DVR, and anything else you watch on your TV. I've made no secret on the show that I'm a cable cutter. I cut the cable box a couple years ago, and I haven't looked back. And yet this device is for me too, because I can bring the channels I receive from my HD antenna into TiVo's system. For millennials, an antenna is a great idea. You go to a retailer like Amazon or Best Buy, and you pay for an antenna one time. And then you plug it into your cable port on your TiVo Bolt, then you have access to a bunch of local channels in HD for free. 
As always, the TiVo Bolt lets you skip commercials, and it even lets you speed up your recordings with pitch-corrected audio. So if you're ready for a better way to watch, TiVo has put together a deal just for our listeners, 20% off any TiVo Bolt over the air or TiVo Bolt Vox. Just head to TiVo.com slash M-I-L-L-20 and remember promo code M-I-L-L-20. That's TiVo.com slash M-I-L-L-20 with promo code M-I-L-L-20 for 20% off. On to confessionals now. Laura, do you want to take the first one? Sure. The first one reads, hey, everyone, I've been in love with a girl for the past seven years. I've been in and out of relationships, but I've truthfully never felt this way for any of my past girlfriends. The major problem is that she's my choir conductor. A few friends of mine have told me that I should tell her how I feel, despite the fact that she's my choir conductor, but I don't know if I should go ahead and do it. I see her every week and it kills me that I know I can't tell her I'm in love with her. Even if I did tell her, how would I even do it? I'd love to know what you think. Seven years. Yeah, that this person. That is a long time to hold out a flame for somebody. That sounds like a really sad seven years to me. Sorry for laughing. It's just what well, that's such a long time. I can't believe you've waited that long. Um, maybe the first thing I would bring up is I, I, the first thing I would not bring up is that you've been in love with them for seven years. Because that could be a little creepy. <laughs> I've loved you always, and I'm telling you now. I do kind of wonder if it's been seven years because they weren't sure if the feelings were going to be reciprocated, which honestly is what I would really worry about if this were me. I don't think that this is comforting at all, but um, I guess, you know, if you feel like it's right, you should go for it. But I would also just brace for ramifications because are you going to be able to stay there if those feelings are not reciprocated that's basically how i would look at it because it's a long time to you know harbor these feelings but it's also a long time to potentially cut off a relationship if this makes that person uncomfortable or if you just can't bear seeing them knowing that they're not in love with you too but I think you got to start with a couple of friendly dates first. It mm. doesn't sound like any of that has happened. At least it wasn't written here. Just try to hang out outside of this space and see if there's any compatibility. Yeah, then, I would be really curious to know what your interactions look like thus far. I mean, is it that she's just your choir conductor and you don't really speak that much? Or do you often have conversations? Do you hang around after choir practice? I feel like there's a lot of context here that we're missing that might be helpful in terms of us guiding you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So maybe if you want to follow up with that, we can talk about it more. How about singing a song to her? You're in the choir. I love you. (laughs) Bring back the flash mob. (laughs) Yeah. A flash mob of one. I've loved get all the other choir people involved. I've loved you for seven years. Will you please just date me once, (laughs) Laura? That wasn't that wasn't the line. Oh, I'm sorry. Was my mic on? My apologies. (laughs) Next confessional. Good luck. As yeah, let us know. Give us some more info. 
Next confessional, as we get closer to the holidays, I've been thinking almost daily about what fresh hell of an argument will start at the Thanksgiving dinner table. My family is a mix of liberals and conservatives, a mix of atheists and devout Christians, and a mix of sexuality. We usually avoid politics and debate because, well, it's not a fun road to go down and creates awkward silence fast. That said, I'm so stressed over this year's because my cousin came out as agender. They go by their same name, but use they, them, their pronouns. They get so upset online when someone says she or her in reference to them. I know I'm going to slip up and say the wrong pronouns, and I know for sure my older relatives are. I've known them for over 25 years of my life, so it's a hard thing to switch overnight. And it's not intentional. How would you suggest handling this if it eventually blows up? They've even mentioned on their social media that they're cutting people out of their life for not respecting the new pronouns and for having differing views from theirs. Any convos y'all are worried will come up during the holidays? Thanks in advance. I just want mac and cheese, not conflict. (laughs) Thankfully, my family doesn't do holiday stuff with any of our extended family. So we just keep it to my parents, my brother, and then whatever close friends we want to invite to sit at the table. This sounds super shitty. I'm sorry. We run into this pronoun situation here on the show sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's taken us practice as well. You're not you're not alone there. It takes everybody practice to get used to. What I would suggest is give yourself a week of practicing. Like start it right now as soon as you hear this. For the next week, only refer to anybody using they, them, their pronouns. That way you can just kind of get it into your head. I know over time we've been able, we've we've gotten better at that. At least I think I have. Mm-hmm. So just just practice in advance. Start practicing now. Practice for a week with everybody. No, Nobody's going to be offended by you using they, them, their. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody. You could also, if you're super worried about it, just use that person's name. Yeah. Instead of just saying, oh, can you pass her the potatoes? You can say, can you pass Jane the potatoes? Because... That might be a little bit easier. And also, I think that uh, I definitely understand where your cousin's coming from because it is frustrating when you have people that are purposefully not respecting those new pronouns because they don't agree with them. But I feel like if you are compassionate and you let them know that you respect their decision and fully support them and you're in their corner... Then if you slip up, you know, once and you're truly sorry about it, I would assume that they would understand that because it's something that everybody has to get used to, regardless of whether you support that person or not. So, yeah, and kind of piggybacking off that point, I would say be prepared for the fact that you're going to slip up. I think it's inevitable because as Andrew and Pam have both mentioned, this is an adjustment for everyone. And when you do slip up, be prepared to apologize in front of everyone. Yeah, show, lead by example. Yeah, show your it's your cousin, correct? Yeah. I think yes. Okay. Cousin. Just making sure that I didn't yeah, mix that right. up. Um, but show your cousin that it's important enough to you and that they matter enough to you that you are willing to call yourself out in front of a family that has a mixture of ideological beliefs. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that'll go a long way. Yeah. Also, just to just, say. Oh, um, I was I was just going to say really quickly regarding the other part that you were saying. Um, I would maybe come up with some uh, really easy ways to change the conversation if you find it's getting heated politically, because this is a problem that I have all the time with my stepmom's family. And they really like to ask me about it, knowing that I'm way less conservative than they are. So I kind of just try and change the subject. Like, oh my God, did you get a haircut? Your hair looks so nice today. I really love that blouse. Where'd you get that? Hey, you know, brother or sister, um, did you see that video I sent you and just like walk away? <laughs> hey, did you guys see Venom? What the fuck is up with that movie? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's talk about Lady Gaga. Do you think she's going to win an Oscar? <laughs> Final confessional is from Chrissy. Oh, I get, is it a confessional? I, that's against our rules. So I don't. Anyway, uh, Chrissy <laughs> writes, hey, millennial, I started a new job in November of last year. Right away, I became pretty close with a coworker here around the same age as myself. Over the last few months, I have dog sat for her a few times. The second time I did, I used her guest bathroom, which was decorated with hundreds of stickers. Her husband's design choice. There was a Trump sticker. Another time I was dog sitting and I was looking for the dog's leash on a coat rack found a Make America Great Again hat. Finally, today, she posted a pro-military anti-Kaepernick post on Facebook. I feel like I'm really up at the end of my rope here with tolerating this garbage. She pays me pretty well to watch her dogs, and we get along at work. Help! What should I do? Should I continue to watch her dogs? Say something about the political stuff? I'm not sure what to do. I think the question is, does your relationship with this person bring you enough fulfillment to justify remaining friendly with them? And I ask that because I have a few friends who are far more conservative than I am, with whom I have a number of disagreements. And I'm still friends with them because they bring value to my life. You know, they're they're good people with whom I have strong disagreements. Um, ultimately I found that I was able to have conversations with them about those things. So that might be a question to ask yourself here. Do you think this friend is going to be open to you disagreeing with her and having a calm, courteous dialogue about those disagreements? Or is she going to lose her shit? That'll tell you what you need to know. First of all, I find this bathroom, which is decorated with hundreds (laughs) of stickers, very abhorrent that's like something at a bar i've seen bars do that in their bathrooms and it works there because it's a bar but at home maybe it's like a basement bathroom well she did not say that that's true but i'm giving this the benefit of the doubt (laughs) (laughs) so my my brother-in-law as i've said is a trump supporter and he has his beer fridge in the garage and in the garage he has a giant Trump, Trump 2016 make America great again flag hanging up <laughs> so every time I'm at my sister and brother-in-law's place and I go to get a beer out of their fridge I have to look at this make America great again flag <laughs> and you know what it's when I'm there in the moment I just can't get mad about it I'm at a family member's home I, I just I guess I just block it out. It makes me a little uncomfortable because I know Randy knows I'm seeing it and he knows where I stand politically. He knows where the rest of my family stands politically. So I just ignore it. And that's what I think you should do as well. 
if if this is a paid job for you, walking the dogs, I you know keep it. Yeah, take also- that money and maybe donate some of it to uh, <laughs> Elizabeth Warren's 2020 <laughs> presidential campaign. Also, um, I was just going to say really quickly regarding the Facebook thing. I have just learned over the years to not really pay attention to what people post. And if something's really bothering me, I'll just mute them from my feed because the way I see it, Facebook is kind of a blog. So you choose to read it if you want to, and you can choose to read people's status updates if you want to. As long as this person is not confronting you and forcing you to have political conversations or discord, then I I mean, for me, that's all that would matter to me because Mm -hmm. you can still be civil without having to bring up politics at all so as long as nobody's trying to force you to believe in something that you don't and you're doing the same to them then i kind of feel like you could just i don't know it's a moral thing but for the sake of the money at least if they're not forcing an idea down your throat then i feel like it's pretty easy to just block out the anti-stuff Stephanie, who is listening live, says, you realize your Patreon gift this year are stickers, right? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say plaster your bathroom with them. No, but she could plaster their bathroom with them. Yes. Oh, wait. We have a Trumpster Fire sticker. Yes. If I didn't send you stickers, can you please email us again? I will send you a Trumpster Fire sticker. (laughs) I would really like you to post it in their bathroom. Are you going to slap one on your brother-in-law's fridge? (laughs) Oh, my God. Please do it. I think that would be very noticeable. (laughs) (laughs) I was planning until your nephew's a little bit older. And then you could be like, these damn kids, you know, they just get stickers from everywhere. (laughs) What are you going to say, Laura? I was just going to say, I'm planning on getting some of those and putting them up around here. Where I live is not super conservative, but where my parents live is. I put one of the Trumpster Fire stickers up in my local park, and it's it's been there for close to a month now. Nobody's graffitied it or anything. I was expecting somebody to like draw on it or something, but no, still shining proud and holding up great <laughs> in the weather, by the way. These are durable stickers. <laughs> All right, on to some news now. Yes. Well, uh, Taylor Swift has made no secret of the fact that she's got some bad blood with people running in Tennessee. She took to Instagram where she got political for the first time ever. And uh, she addressed her 112 million followers where she disclosed her political beliefs in a very lengthy post. And she In doing so, she actually ended up endorsing the Democratic candidates running for Senate and governor in Tennessee, where she lives, and specifically called out opposing candidate Marsha Blackburn for her questionable voting record. Uh, She also encouraged her legion of fans to vote, and it's clear that they heard her message loud and clear because vote.org, vote.org later reported that when Taylor Swift sent all her Swifties in their direction, they actually saw... 65,000 new registrations happen within the course of the 24-hour period following her Instagram post. And just in case you need that to be put in a little bit more perspective, the site saw only 56,669 individual registers over the course of the entire month of August. 
So Taylor Swift managed to get that and then some in a day simply by using her platform to speak out. Now, of course, Trump could not stay quiet about this. And when he was asked about what he thought, he responded, quote, I'm sure Taylor Swift doesn't know anything about Republican candidate Marsha Blackburn. Let's just say I like her music 25% less now. Um, Regardless, though, I mean, Swift has clearly done her research. And uh, here's a little quote from her very lengthy post on Instagram. She said, Running for state Senate in the state of Tennessee is a woman named Marsha Blackburn. As much as I have in the past and would like to continue voting for women in office, I cannot continue supporting Marsha Blackburn. Her voting record in Congress appalls and terrifies me. She voted against equal pay for women. She voted against the reauthorization of Violence Against Women Act, which attempts to protect women from domestic violence, stalking, and date rape. She believes businesses have a right to refuse services to gay couples. She also believes that they should not have the right to marry. These are not my Tennessee values. I will be voting for Phil Bresden for state Senate and Jim Cooper for House of Representatives. Please, please educate yourselves on the candidates running in your state and vote based on who most closely represents your values. For a lot of us, we may never find a candidate or party with whom we agree 100% on every issue, but we have to vote anyway. So some pretty strong words from Tay-Tay here. Yeah. I follow her on Insta. I was shocked to see this post. Me too. Because she has been quiet and then the be so vocal. I mean, she made a she has made a very strong and interesting statement within this Instagram post. And um I- I'm glad she did it. My question is, okay, so she looks like it's fair to say she registered a, she helped register about sixty five thousand new people. That's amazing. Are these people going to actually vote? How could one Instagram post motivate people so much that not only do they register to vote, but they're going to go educate themselves and then they're going to go vote? Hmm. Does Taylor Swift have that much power? I'm genuinely curious. I don't know if she has that much power, but once you are registered to vote, you're just more likely to go vote. Because once you're a registered voter, um, that's, I mean, that's kind of public information. It's not hard to figure out who's registered to vote. So you'll start getting phone calls from uh, both of the parties, or you'll start hearing from candidates looking for volunteers. Um, It's kind of like when you buy a new car, and you start seeing that new car everywhere on the road. Once you your eyes have been opened and you are aware of the issue, you're going to start seeing the issue everywhere. So I think these people are just that much more likely to vote. Not to say they all will, but it's a step in the right direction. I do feel like if she follows up, people will be more likely to do it uh, because people look up to her, you know, especially a lot of these um, you know, first time voter fans that I'm sure she has. So it's kind of a matter of how much she wants to stay involved in something that she clearly very strongly believes in. Yeah. I know that there's a, a question of whether or not this is going to impact Taylor Swift's popularity. Uh, obviously, she comes from country roots. She started in country music, and country music has a lot of very conservative fans. But at the same time, the last few years, she's dipped her toes 
into pop music and she's kind of rooted herself into that genre and those bands tend to, well, they fall across the board, but a lot of pop music bands are a little bit more progressive than say country fans. Um, personally, I don't think this is going to affect her very much specifically because of the way that she framed this, because while she gave us her opinion, she also ended this very smartly by saying that you need to vote for the person that closely represents your values. So that doesn't necessarily mean people have to go out and vote the way she votes, but they might be more likely to do so now that she's laid out the facts for them. I think she'll only take a small hit for this in terms of her popularity because she's so big now. Like, does it really matter if she loses? Let's say, let's say a hundred thousand people. I think that would be a reasonable number. Start refusing to listen to Taylor Swift in light of this. That's not a big dent when you have, millions upon millions of fans around the world and of course she's not the only celebrity that this past week has felt the need to express their political viewpoints because this comes hot off the heels of kanye west and his uh, whole stint at the white house so it is kind of interesting to see how people are taking both of their decisions to speak out you know yeah yeah well and for kanye it's not new And I think people have just learned to let Kanye talk. And if they're big fans, they'll just ignore it. But we'll we'll talk about that later today in After Dark. We have some clips to play of his face-to-face meeting with Trump in the Oval Office. This week's episode of Millennial is also sponsored by Policy Genius. They are the go-to place for anyone searching for insurance policies of all types. If you need insurance, this is the site to go to. Policy Genius is the way to quickly and easily compare quotes from top insurers to find the best policy for you. It's so simple, and these guys have a fantastic site. I've been using PolicyGenius.com to monitor car and home insurance rates to make sure I'm getting the best insurance policies. It asks you a couple of questions about what you're trying to insure, and instantly you're given a bunch of policy options from all the insurers you've heard of. You should trust Policy Genius because they have helped over 4 million people sign up for insurance and placed over $20 billion in coverage. Don't let insurance shopping suck anymore. Use Policy Genius to make it quick and easy. If you've been thinking about getting life insurance, health insurance, car insurance, renter's insurance, pet insurance, any type of insurance, go to policygenius.com. You'll be saving time, money, and hassle, and it's free. I don't even know how they're paying us to tell you about them. Policy Genius, because... Comparing life insurance doesn't need to be a pain in the neck. All right. Well, speaking of voting, there is some serious voter suppression underway in my home state of Georgia. Y'all probably remember a few weeks ago when we covered the story about Randolph County trying to close seven of its nine polling places in the majority black county. And, well, Brian Kemp is at it again. As a reminder, Kemp is both our current Secretary of State in Georgia, as well as the Republican candidate for governor, which means he is directly overseeing the election he is running in. Kemp oversees the controversial exact match policy, which requires that voter registration applications contain identical information as the person's information in the state's Department of Driver Services database. This means that any minor discrepancy, such as a missing hyphen or middle initial, could result in a rejection. This policy is now being used to put 53,000 voter registrations on hold ahead of the upcoming midterm elections. Now, panel, 
I'd like you to take a quick guess as to the ethnicity of 70% of these 53,000 voters whose eligibility has been called into question. In Georgia, it must be white people. It would be the exact opposite of that. Oh. (laughs) Uh, So that's right. Um, About 70% of these 53,000 voters are black. Um, And this story is blowing up because it is a very obvious attempt to steal what's turning out to be a very tight race uh, from Stacey Abrams, the Democratic candidate, who is a black woman. Abrams' campaign has worked to increase voter registrations in minority communities. Brian Kemp is blaming this effort for the on-hold registration, saying, quote, This is the result of sloppy registration by the Abrams campaign. Certain registration methods were used by certain demographics, a.k.a. Black people tended to use paper applications instead of registering online, leading to legibility issues, or so uh, the Office of Secretary of State is claiming. Unfortunately for Brian Kemp, we know that he tried to pull this exact same shit before and had to stop using the exact match policy in order to settle a lawsuit in 2017. Later, though, lawmakers allowed Georgia to continue using exact match so long as voters were given 26 months to correct any discrepancies in their registration. This latest attempt to scrub voters from the rolls does not come even close to abiding by the 26-month rule, so the NAACP is suing Kemp. So just wanted to take a second to step back here and ask, was this something either of you had heard about? Are there similar efforts underway in your state cities? Or is this just a Southern thing? I feel like every time I hear about voter suppression on the news, it's happening in Southern states. Yeah. That is not to say it doesn't happen other places, but I feel like it seems to be a trend that has not stopped over the years. Laura, do you see like protests happening down there? or What is going on <sighs> you in know, retaliation? There, there haven't been any formal protests yet, but it is an ongoing conversation. Uh, in my social circles, once news of these 53,000 disenfranchised voters came out, we were immediately all like pinging each other, calling each other, catching up with each other in any way that we could to be like, dude, double check your registration status because this came out right before the um, registration deadline last week. So we were just trying to make sure that everyone and their mom that we knew was still registered. Um, As a matter of fact, I was one of the people that was scrubbed from the voter rolls in 2014 for reasons unknown because I voted in 2012 and I ended up catching it just in time and was able to re-register But I think what they're hoping for is that they can sort of just catch people when they think, oh, I've already done this, I'm already registered, and catch them off guard by sort of removing them, and then they don't realize it until it's too late. Mm -hmm. So based on what you said at the top of the show, Mm -hmm. you saw a lot of people turning out early to vote. Yes. Is it simply possible that Brian Kemp is very scared of what's going to happen during the midterms? I think they're terrified. Um, Stacey Abrams has had immense success in getting new voters registered, especially um, voters in minority communities. And that's what I saw today at my polling place. It was, I mean, I was like one of five white people (laughs) there. 
um, which is great news for the Abrams campaign. And I hope that we keep seeing the same kind of turnout. One thing that I did want to say to anyone who might be among the 53,000 affected, still go to the polls and request a provisional ballot. These are to be given to those whose eligibility is in question. So if you believe you are registered and the poll workers are having a hard time confirming, they cannot turn you away without providing a provisional ballot. Hmm. So don't let them tell you you can't vote because you definitely can. So what do we think about requesting accurate registration forms? Because I know that's the point that Kemp and his campaign is trying to drive across. I would like to see exactly how not legible they are. Like, normally with these forms, don't you have to like write in all caps and block letters so it's as easy to read as possible? Like, do you think that it's it's possible that they're just bullshitting that? That these actually aren't difficult to read at all? I think so. And I think also when you just look at the fact that members of minority communities tend to use paper applications more than they would online registration. It's pretty clear discrimination because I don't think that you can make the argument that people of color don't write legibly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's a ridiculous argument to make. And it seems to be the argument that they're low key trying to make without sounding racist. Yeah. (laughs) Though how you do that, I don't know. There was also a video I wanted you to play quickly, Andrew. So on Saturday, Senator David Perdue visited Georgia Tech to campaign for Brian Kemp. Kemp. Uh, And after the rally, a student tried asking him why he's supporting a candidate that's purging the voter rolls. And Perdue took his phone away from him. Let's listen. Hey, so uh, how can you endorse a candidate? I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. You stole my property. You stole my property. All right, you wanted a give picture? Me my phone back, you wanted a picture? I'm going to give, 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 give you a picture. Give me my phone back, Senator. Thanks. Give me my phone That's U.S. Senator David Perdue. U.S. Senator David Perdue just snatched my phone because he wanted to answer a question to one of his constituents. So, so good to see you, my friend. He's trying to leave. He's trying to leave because he won't answer why he's endorsing a candidate who's trying to purge people from voting on the basis of their race. <laughs> the guy's following him as Kemp's walking away. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible because um, in case you couldn't hear, Purdue takes the phone from the student and the student's like, you took my property. And then Purdue's mm-hmm. like, did you want a picture? Did you want a picture? Like clearly trying to cover it up. And I'm like, come on, David Purdue. We know you don't know how to take a selfie. <laughs> Is he angry? Why would you fuss with somebody's phone? That that seems like something you know not to do. So why would you do that? An act of desperation from the yeah. sounds of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he knew he was being videotaped, and he knew that it wasn't going to ma- it wasn't going to be a super flattering portrayal of him, no matter how mm-hmm. he answered the question. Yeah, but that that's part of being a politician. Your con- constituents are going to approach you, and they're going to say things that make you uncomfortable. Right. And how you conduct yourself. Matters. Yeah, well, also, David Perdue is a shitbird. Um, I just wanted to give people a couple of things that they can do if they're interested in speaking out against this. You can call the Georgia Secretary of State's office at 
656-2817 and leave a message condemning this behavior. Also call on Brian Kemp to resign as Secretary of State because that's a direct conflict of interest. Um, if you're a Georgia resident, you can visit sos.ga.gov and navigate to elections and online complaints. Give them a piece of your mind and also call on Brian Kemp to resign as Secretary of State. Um, you can also donate to any or all of the civil rights groups currently suing the state of Georgia over this. So those are uh, Georgia Coalition for the People's Agenda, Asian Americans Advancing Justice Atlanta, the NAACP of Georgia, the New Georgia Project, the Georgia Association of Latino Elected Officials, and Pro-Georgia. Also, don't forget to call on Brian Kemp to resign as Secretary of State. <laughs> the second time, I thought you just forgot that you said it. No. But the third time, no, I understood. Also, be loud. Blast at Brian Kemp Georgia on Twitter. Talk to people in your life about this issue. Inform them about Stacey Abrams and her vision. Write blogs, write editorials for your local paper. Call your representatives and bitch about how the Justice Department is allowing voter discrimination to happen right under its nose. Then participate in any and all demonstrations that happen near you. And finally, what can we do, Andrew? Uh, you can call on him to resign. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> Just tweet him every so, day and say, resign. <laughs> Laura sounds angry. I am angry. That I'm ho- physically hot right now. Not just because Look, my AC is off. <laughs> g- get the kickback in some comfortable undies and just relax. Well, that's a great idea, Andrew. <laughs> I always thought that Me Undies was that really cool underwear brand with the fun, crazy prints that made my ass look really cool. But it wasn't until I tried them on that I realized how friggin' comfortable they are. They seriously feel like I'm pulling on a fluffy cloud every morning, and they are the most comfortable thing I've ever worn. And that falls here. I'm shitting pumpkins over their amazing Halloween prints. MeUndies uses a micromodal fabric that is a full three times softer than regular cotton. I'm telling you, this is exactly the kind of fabric you want around your delicate bits. On top of that, they release multiple fun prints each month in matching socks and bralettes. I just received my jack-o'-lantern print, so I know what I'll be wearing on Halloween night. You should definitely check these out along with their accompanying socks and bralettes. And the best part? When you join the membership, you can get all this stuff, undies, lounge pants, tees, everything MeUndies makes for less than anyone else. Special member pricing is just one of the many perks of joining the membership. MeUndies has a great offer for our listeners. For any first-time purchasers, when you purchase any MeUndies, you get 15% off and free shipping. This is a no-brainer. Get 15% off a pair of the most comfortable undies you will ever put on. To get your 15% off your first pair, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, get your cute ass over to MeUndies.com slash M-I-L-L. That's MeUndies.com slash M-I-L-L, and your bits will thank you. I'm glad you mentioned the lounge pant because with the cooler months approaching, I mean, they're here. I, I need some comfortable pants to wear inside and out walking Brooklyn, and I've been eyeing up these lounge pants. A, because the model is very attractive, but B, they look <laughs> super comfortable. So I'm going to have to try those. I'll report back. All right, on to one more news story today. Let's talk about music. An interesting report came out. I wanted to talk about it. The Music Consumer Insight Report 
which examines how music consumers ages 16 to 64 engage with recorded music, has been released for 2018. The results are pretty fascinating, and we're going to break down the results in the number game. So ladies, streaming is still the number one way people listen to music, with blank percent of respondents engaging with music that way. Um, I read this article, like, whenever it came out, because I'm a music nerd, so... Well, this will be a pop quiz for you. Yeah, is that? I, I feel well, like it's Laura, like isn't okay. it like eighty two percent, eighty six? And Laura, what's your guess? I'm gonna say what Pam said. <laughs> <laughs> what I just a didn't want cheater. to be like, oh, like I just wanted to forewarn, so you wouldn't be like, why does she know? <laughs> like, no, you're 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 that. honest. That's good. Uh, but no, you got it wrong. You're stupid. Oh, it was eighty six percent. I mean, close enough. <laughs> yeah. So eighty six percent of people, um are streaming, are using streaming as the primary primary way to listen to music now. Here's question number two, and Laura, you can answer first this time. The most popular streaming service is YouTube, with blank percent of people using it as their primary means of listening to music. 69%. 69? <laughs> and, Lo- and Elisa? Or <laughs> Pam? <laughs> All the women are interchangeable to you, aren't they, Andrew? <laughs> First we're whiny, now we're just. <laughs> Is it? Um, it's like fifty-two, right? Fifty-five. That's 52? exactly right. All right, okay. you ace that one. Fifty-two <laughs> percent. Yeah. So half of people are using YouTube, which I I wouldn't have guessed it was that high. That's insane to me. Mm-hmm. And by contrast, only blank percent of people use a paid service. Laura. Mm, 12%. I think, isn't it like 32 or 29 or something like that? 28%. Okay. Okay. It was kind of close. This is entertaining. We have somebody who hasn't read the article guessing. We have somebody who has. <laughs> well, it was like a week ago that this came out. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm genuinely me. That's entertaining. Well, that's good. <laughs> in, so in terms of passing profits onto musicians, YouTube only delivers... How many dollars for every $20 that Spotify delivers? $3. It's $1. That's right. Whoa. That's even shittier than I thought. Yeah. And finally, overall, respondents listen to blank hours of music per week on average, with the car being the most popular location. Hmm. Seven. Seventeen? Eighteen? Eighteen, that's right. Good job, Pam. How long are y'all in your (laughs) cars? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Honestly, like, confession, uh, I can only sometimes listen to new albums if I'm in the car, so I will drive around for 45 minutes, which is such a waste of gas. (laughs) Why is that? You want to blast it? What? Why is that? You want to blast it? No, I just want the surround sound of the speakers. I just want to get the full experience. It sounds so different. Sometimes you can't pick things up. Like, I kind of listen to it twice. So I'll listen to it once with headphones because you pick up on smaller nuances and then once in the car because you get the full scape of the entire sound that that person was trying to evoke. Yeah, I actually completely agree with that. When I'm listening to new music that I'm really excited about, I love listening in the car and I love listening on headphones, both 
for my first time because you do hear different things. So this report also uh, shared the top five genres. Pop, uh, 64% of respondents said pop was their top genre. 57% said rock. 32% said EDM. This one shocked me the most. 30% said soundtracks. And then 26% said hip-hop. Do these align with your habits, both of you? Uh, not in this order and not EDM. But apart yeah. from that, yes. Yeah, I don't listen to a lot of EDM either. But I guess these are just like the basic genres. So I guess so. Although hip-hop, I, I'm shocked it's not higher. Yeah, me too. But that could be because I know that, for example, Drake was the most streamed artist on Spotify last year. And since I, you know, Spotify is like such a big presence in my life, I think I'm skewed by their numbers. So Mm -hmm. it's probably lower if you factor in things like YouTube. Yeah. I'm just trying to think like soundtracks. There's only been one soundtrack that's ever gone viral, and that's Hamilton. And A Star is Born. And Greatest Showman. <laughs> but really, it takes up 30% of people's listening? Like, I don't know. that To me, some women and gay guys listen to soundtracks. That's it. Like, straight men don't, unless they're my brother. <laughs> I mean, women and gay guys make up a pretty large number of the population. Yeah, makes up 100% of the show right now. So, yeah. <laughs> Plus, like, I know a lot of people love listening to, like, Disney soundtracks and stuff. I, for one, have been known to listen to the Moana soundtrack in my car. Yeah. Because it's so good. Also, Lin-Manuel Miranda. It's just amazing. Mm. And then I take it you two are only doing streaming right now. But what is your preferred uh, streaming app? Spotify. Spotify for me, too. Paid? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think Spotify is a really great app. Apple Music is still behind them, in my opinion. Spotify has a lot of great features, a lot of great custom playlists that I really enjoy. I actually got an Apple Music trial from Verizon because I switched. They have a promo going right now where you can get six months free of Apple Music. I haven't been using it. I'm just so used to using Spotify. The one thing that kind of bothers me about streaming is that if we were to ever stop paying for it, we suddenly lose all of our stuff. Whereas, of course, back in the day, we'd be buying this music and then we own it forever. Does it disturb you two at all that, like, you don't really own the music that you're listening to? It does when I'm flying. Because sometimes I don't remember to download everything I want. And I can't spontaneously listen to something Yeah, that I don't have. And I don't have a lot of music on my phone anymore because Spotify frees up a lot of that space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, I hate when I'm forced to revert to listening to music from my iTunes library because I stopped buying music from iTunes in high school. So pretty much everything I have on there is embarrassing as fuck. (laughs) Yeah. I don't really like Spotify's downloading feature. Like, I don't know really where to look in my Spotify app to find only the stuff that I have downloaded. Does that make sense? Yeah. It it just really focuses on streaming. 
But um, yeah, I found this stuff interesting because the music industry has changed so rapidly in just the past few years. I don't think five years ago we would have thought that streaming would be this dominant today. And then how about YouTube? So I said that 52% of people use it as their primary means of listening to music. That is insane to me. Yeah, because I I hate it when I'm forced to pull up a song on YouTube because I can't find it anywhere else. But does that happen to you anymore? Uh, There have been a couple of occasions where there's been like one random song that I've been trying to find that I could only find on YouTube. But then like you're forced to have a video playing and maybe you're just trying to listen in the car and you don't need a video playing on your fucking phone, you know? Or or sometimes you just want the one live version of the thing. That's usually when yeah. I go to YouTube. I will say, though, and I know that that this is not brought up in the article. They don't really kind of go into why people are spending so much time on YouTube. But I do kind of wonder how much of it has to do with, A, the influx of visual albums that artists have been putting out over the course of the last few years, starting with Beyonce, obviously, but also... I don't know if you guys are familiar with the subgenre lo-fi hip-hop, but Mm -mm. it's really big right now. And there was a really interesting, I think Vice was the outlet that wrote up this interesting feature about how there's a rise on YouTube of 24-7 radio stations, essentially. And it's people just curating these lo-fi hip-hop tracks, most, most of which are instrumental. And sometimes they loop in phrases or lines from other songs and things like that. And uh, the younger generation is actually using these to study. They're kind of like these really stripped down electro funky backbeats that are supposed to, you know, just be nice background noise while you're doing whatever it is that you're doing that you need to focus on. So I do kind of wonder if maybe that's something that's adding to how much people they're spending on YouTube streaming music. I also think it's the ease of YouTube. You know that everything is there. You know that when you click a link, it's just going to automatically play. Whereas Spotify, and maybe this is something Spotify and Apple Music need to copy, but when you search for something and you click that link, it should just automatically start playing. Right now, when you click a song in Spotify, it goes to the album. You can click play on the album art, but the whole big thing should be one giant play link to automatically play. I think that would really streamline it. And then, of course, YouTube is free. And everybody knows that they're going to be able to listen to everything for free. Have you guys tried the YouTube music app? No. No. I just saw this advertised the other day. I don't know how old it is. I don't know if I'm, I've been missing out on it. But I just downloaded it for the first time. I'm going to try it out. Hmm. Yeah, so the advantage of YouTube music is that you can continue playing songs when the app isn't open. And one of you had just mentioned that a few minutes ago. So YouTube music takes care of that. And then obviously, no ads. There are, Of course, there's also the issue of artists getting paid. <laughs> They're not really making any money here. Even though uh, tw- uh, Spotify delivers $20 to an artist for every $1 that YouTube does, artists are still making pennies. And that's why they have to tour so much and they have to push their merchandise so much because that's how they make the big money. Unless you have a, an artist that's completely self-funded, meaning they don't have a label or anybody that's helping them with distribution or marketing, chances are they're not making a lot of money off of the music that they're 
putting out and also on the tour tickets that you buy. So if you really feel passionately about somebody that's sharing their art with the world, the best way to support them is to buy some merch and you get something cool out of it. So that's nice. We asked our patrons how they listen. 67 people said a paid streaming app. 16 said a free streaming app. 28 said they buy digital music outright so that they own it. So actually a lot more people than I thought voted for that. Uh, 23 people said YouTube for free. 13 people are old and said physical format like CDs. And then 27 people said radio. I only listen to satellite radio when I listen. I I don't listen to terrestrial radio anymore because that is easier than like loading up Spotify in the car unless there's something I really want to listen to. Okay, it's time now to call one of our listeners. Speaking of Patreon. Surprise! Surprise, bitch! Let's try Sam. Hello? Hi, Sam. Yeah? Surprise, bitch. It's Millennial. Ah, hey! How are you? It sounded like you knew what was coming. Um, a little. So I'm sitting watching... The Lion King with my husband and I was like a restricted call came up and I was like it's Monday and he was like what (laughs) and then I just answered the phone like I didn't explain but that's okay (laughs) that's hilarious yeah that should be our the new name for this segment it's Monday (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh, sorry that's my husband he figured out who called (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so where do you live? Um, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Ah, okay. Uh, how, what are things looking like there right now with the upcoming midterm elections? What's your sense? Um, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm just being like, like, I go between being optimistic and pessimistic. Um, cause I don't think I want my feelings to be hurt. Um, if it doesn't work out. But I'm actually pretty involved with, like, the local Democratic Party, and my husband's actually working on um, one of our sheriff races. And, I mean, it seems like a lot of people are really charged up and doing a lot of, like, canvassing. And a big thing that they do in our um, county is they put, like, door hangers on doors, um, you know, for people who they know that they're not going to be able to actually talk to, um, to fully canvass to. Um, and it seems like there's just been, like, a ton of that happening um, and a lot of energy. So I hope that's a good sign. But I've only lived here for three years, so I wasn't here during the last midterm. So I don't know how it compares to previous um, election cycles. So I don't know. I hope it. I hope it's good. Got you. I'm getting the same sense down here in Georgia. It seems like people are really fired up and yeah. uh, ready to kick some Republican ass to the curb. So we can only hope. Thank yeah. you so much, by the way, for being a Southern Democrat. It's not easy all the time. No, it's not. <laughs> Luckily, our county is like pretty blue, but I don't know. <laughs> the rest of the state. Yeah, you're kind so of much. like in that liberal bubble. Yeah, a little bit. How do you listen to music? Today on the show, we were talking about the primary ways that millennials are listening to music. So do you stream? Do you buy physical copies of CDs? What do you do? Well, I am a very bad example of a millennial, I'm sure, in this area. 
Because <laughs> I definitely still buy CDs and <laughs> listen to them in my car. <laughs> Were you one of the 13 people in this poll that voted CD? Did you see that poll Probably. on Patreon? Uh, I didn't see the poll, so oh, okay. no, I wasn't one of the 13. But uh, Then it's 14 um, yeah. now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't really, I don't really stream. I mean, sometimes I'll like listen to YouTube, but oh, okay. But, like I'll just pull up random songs. Like if it's like, oh man, I have a song in my head, or something will remind me of a song I haven't heard in a while, yeah. and then they always like will just play like another song after. And normally it's something that's related. So oh, okay. sometimes I do that. I guess that's kind of like streaming. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We were actually talking about YouTube. Where do you buy CDs? Um, at Target or like the mall, okay. like Fye. I don't know if you've heard. I don't know. I think it's a chain, but I don't yeah. know if it's like a national chain. Yeah, yeah, it is. Do do oh, these okay. people give you weird looks when you bring a CD up to the counter? Uh, no. But I mean, I guess they sell them, so they probably <laughs> <laughs> don't think much of it. Yeah. I'm sure other people do. I'm sure it's like me and like older people, and that's it. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> I, 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 uh, <laughs> Definitely said that the people who voted in that poll and voted CD are old. Um, but yeah. I guess to you, to to your credit, though, you own that music outright, so that's nice. Like you don't have to keep paying for it monthly. Exactly, and I can listen to it whenever I want. Well, mm. in my car mostly. I don't have a good CD player in my house. Do you have like a six disc changer in the car? Oh no, not in the car. It's just one. but like I keep the rest of them like in the console in the middle, so it's like pretty easy just to like change them out. That's rad. Needed. Oh yeah, so very nineties. <laughs> uh, final question: Are you a Taylor Swift fan? I am actual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how many Taylor? Like what? How many I'm Taylor sorry. Swift CDs do you have? All of them. <laughs> Dumb question. <laughs> When you ask about CDs, I'm not gonna lie. That's pretty much Taylor Swift CDs, and then a couple like, uh, like soundtracks, and that's pretty much all I listen to. Oh my to, god! Like, and soundtracks. You should have yeah. been on today's episode. You're like answering all of our questions here. I was like, who's listening oh. to the soundtracks? Well, this is a a good episode for you to call me. I guess. Yeah. It worked yeah. out. Well, so did you flip out when Taylor Swift um, made a political statement on Insta? Oh my God! Yes, I was like, "What is happening?" Like Taylor Swift is getting political. Like it must be the end of the world. I don't, <laughs> I don't know any other explanation. It was also like pretty relieving. I mean, you know, I think with certain things, sometimes there's some cognitive dissonance with. Oh yeah, I'm a really big Taylor Swift fan. I hope, I hope her politics are okay. You know, like she never right. talks about it. I wish she would. And um, so that was, it was definitely relieving. As yeah. Well. Yeah, we were all proud of her. Yeah, me too. Anyway, Sam, we'll let you go. Get back to the Lion King. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you looking forward to the live action one in a year or two from now? Yeah, I think it's going to be really good. Um, yeah. um, I, the reason we're watching is my husband's a huge Lion King fan, and we just got a new cat a couple weeks ago, and he felt like she needed to watch it. You know, <laughs> Lion King cat. <laughs> So, I think amazing. he's more excited than I am for the live action, but I think it'll be good. Or at least I'm hopeful. Yeah. So, we'll see. Make your cat a service cat, and then you can take it to theaters to see it. But I always say, I'm like, people bring their dogs everywhere. Why can't I bring my cat everywhere? <laughs> like, geez. But I don't know. They probably just hiss at everybody, so yeah. that wouldn't work out. <laughs> All right, Sam. Thanks for your support. It was nice speaking I- to you. 
Have a great night. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. She was super cool. I like how she just like doesn't care what CDs like for people that know what CD shows. I think that's great because I yeah. feel like everyone's always like, oh, it's a guilty pleasure. I'm like, no, you just like what you like. Who cares? Life's too short to get hung up on what people think of your music taste, honestly. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. She is a supporter over at patreon.com slash millennial. And Laura, we have a limited time promotion going on right now, right? Yes, that is correct. Um, If you sign up for your first month of Patreon between October 1st and November 1st, we'll give you your first month at the $5 tier for free if you confirm your voter registration status. That's a free month of bonus content like hashing it out, ad-free episodes after dark, The Landy Show, Palace Intrigue, and more. All you have to do is sign up for your first month before November 1st and then email us a screenshot confirming your voter registration status at millennialshow at gmail.com. To learn more, head over to patreon.com slash millennial, help save democracy, and we'll give you your first month of Patreon for free to take millennials bonus content for a test spin. Love it. So you already plugged Patreon. I won't do that again. But also check out our website. We have a new advertiser deals page if you would like to get any of the discounts that we share on the show when we rave about our excellent advertisers. You can do that over at millennialshow.com. We also have a complete episode archive and links to our RSS feed and ways you can listen to us. We also have the confessional there. We also have a contact form and more. Millennialshow.com. Our closing song in honor of Taylor's political statement, also in honor of a song that Pam referenced, and also in honor of Sam will be Bad Blood. Coming up in After Dark today, we are going to talk about that Kanye-Trump encounter in the White House last week, and we're going to play a game, Who Said It? Kellyanne Conway or Kanye West? God, their names sound so similar, it's scary. Yep, Kellyanne Kanye. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye, everybody. See ya. Now we got bad blood. You know it used to be mad love. So take Uh, a look what you've done. uh, Cause, baby, now we got bad uh, blood. Hey, I can't take it back. Look where I'm at. We was OG like DOC, remember that? Remember that. My TOC was quite OD, ID my facts. My... Now POV of you and me, similar Iraq. I don't hate you, but I hate to critique, overrate you. These beats of a dark cart use baselines to replace you. Take time and erase you. Love don't hear no more, no, I don't fear no more. But I get respect and quite sincere no more. Ah, ah. Oh. <laughs> I was happy you play the remixed version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Mm-hmm.